Good afternoon. We're thankful that uh, you all decided to join us here. We're doing a series of, of short podcasts on how to cope with the isolation that's produced by our uh, pandemic, the corona, uh, uh, corona pandemic here. And we have invited Mike McBride to sit with us, a little, a little roundtable discussion here, and uh, possibly explain what's going on and offer some solutions to us. Most of you know Mike McBride. He used to be the pastor of this church many years ago, but he spent his career mostly here in Squim as a clinical psychologist, helping people uh, with mental health issues, and uh, he is just very knowledgeable on what's going on uh, from a psychological standpoint here. Mike, we're just very glad to have you. And uh, the, first, uh, uh, the first section we're going to talk about here is why the crisis is causing so much distress. So can you just uh, tell us why, why is it that it's causing so much distress among our people here in America? We'll start with this question here, Mike. Why, why is the crisis causing so much distress in America? Well, I think we need to pause for just a moment and recognize how painful this whole thing is to people all across the country, in fact, all around the world. And I think there are a lot of uh, factors that contribute to this being such a distressing time for so many people. Um, maybe I can just enumerate a few of them. Uh, first of all, as we've all heard on uh, news, television, radio, this pandemic is absolutely unprecedented. Uh, this is a totally new uh, experience, and it's totally unfamiliar territory. We've survived a lot of things in this country. We survived 9-11 when we had a lot of uh, problems with our airline system mm -hmm. and our economy. Mm -hmm. um, we actually made it through a tremendous financial meltdown in 2008, which we've come to call the Great Recession. And the H1N1 virus, uh, the swine flu, we hardly heard much about that back at the time we were struggling with it. And nevertheless, uh, 575,400 people actually died from the swine flu. Um, but so much of this virus, the coronavirus, we don't know or understand. Uh, despite the fact that there's new information every day, there are also new questions every day. Mm, okay. So it's unprecedented. We just don't know quite uh, what to do with it. Uh, secondly, I think there's a lot of uncertainty about, about this pandemic. Um, markets hate uncertainty. Uh, all of us hate uncertainty. Uncertainty leads to uh, fear, leads to anxiety, uh, concern about our health, concern about our finances, our families, uh, the national economy, the global economy, our futures, our retirements. Um, we just don't know uh, what will come out of this entire experience. I remember uh, sitting down with a man referred to me by his physician during the uh, recession of 2008. Uh, he just retired from a very successful career. He and his wife thought they had plenty of money to live in retirement and to buy a 46-foot cruiser. Oh, boy. So they bought the cruiser, and uh, they retired, and then the market dropped 50 and in some places 60%. Uh, oh. He was just devastated. Other people referred with anxiety. Uncertainty. What does the future hold? How are we going to manage or survive in the future? And so we haven't done this before. Uh, the Spanish flu in 1918 affected as many as 500 million people. In fact, it killed uh, between 50 and 100 million people globally. So what will this pandemic bring? 
You know, the fact that we don't know where things are going leads to a lot of distress. Uh, then there's the whole factor of isolation. Uh, we talk about it as social distancing. Uh, we're social creatures. And from a neurobiological perspective, we're all wired as social beings. Yeah. You know, we're just social by nature. We live in communities. We socialize with friends, family, uh, coworkers. Our lives revolve around uh, social support from others, neighbors, friends, family. Um, business and industry require people and relationships in order to survive, let alone thrive in their particular field or industry. That's, uh, that's true, Mike. And maybe that's why when you really want to punish somebody bad, you put them in solitary confinement. Absolutely. Yeah. And some groups and organizations have a practice of shunning people. If they get mad, they just cut them out as if they don't exist. Don't exist. Very That's painful. isolation, yeah. And that kind of leads us uh, to a corollary of isolation, and that's loneliness. Uh, I have put on some uh, talks in town and in the church about loneliness here in the past. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's important to note is that before the pandemic, uh, loneliness was considered to be an epidemic globally, certainly an epidemic in our country. You know, when you have 40, 50 percent of your population that are lonely most of the time, then you throw a pandemic on top of that. You can see that uh, this is problematic. Um, loneliness and isolation do affect our immune systems. They lead to inflammation. Inflammation leads to all kinds of illnesses and disease. So you're saying we had, uh, we already had a problem. Absolutely. And now we're compounding it and we're telling people to get lonelier. Yeah, we're, we're ordering them to get lonelier yeah. and to disconnect from everything. And, you know, it's the, for the best in terms of the social good and to prevent perhaps millions of people from mm -hmm. dying. But there is a tremendous price to be paid on an emotional, psychological level when we go into that kind of solitude. Uh, the last factor contributing to uh, distress, I think, is something I call the worst-case scenario. I think most people, when confronted by a crisis in their mind, kind of go to the worst-case scenario in order to survive. Somehow, if I can think through and anticipate the very worst thing that could happen... You know, and prepare for that. Maybe I can get through this. So somehow, uh, people are doing that today. This as a worst-case scenario. You know, everybody in the world's going to die. Everybody in my family's going to get sick. I'm, I'm never going to have money again to uh, can't buy, retire. buy food. Can't yeah. retire. Yeah. Or if you have retired, I've got to come out of retirement. Mm. Um, so it just raises a lot of uncertainty. But people go to the worst-case scenario to somehow cope, even though it really doesn't work very well for them. So, you know, I, I think what we want to do is to normalize all of this for everybody. These are, are, uh, these are the kinds of things that happen when we face such an unsettling crisis. Um, people end up with uncertainty. They end up in isolation. They don't feel like they can cope. So what you're saying is these are, these are normal reactions. And uh, in, in some ways, then, to be having these... Uh, we could say this, this is not unusual, this is, this is to be expected, and that takes away a little bit of the intensity of it, perhaps. Right. We're going to, going to talk a little bit about specific conditions and reactions, and what follows, I think, also needs to be understood as a normal part of the process. Okay. When people go off to war and develop post-traumatic stress, or back at the time of the Second World War, shell shock, um, 
when they came back, they were experiencing something that was a normal reaction to the trauma they experienced, right. but left unattended. And without talking about it or understanding it, we find that people uh, do tend to have more psychological problems and distress. Okay. So that is uh, basically why the crisis is causing so much distress. These, these things that you've mentioned here, uncertainty, the unprecedented nature, unprecedented nature of this thing, the fact that we're all supposed to isolate on top of a, a loneliness culture, and uh, that we tend to go to the worst-case scenarios. Of course, I never do that, do I, Colette? I'm always optimistic. I never go to the worst-case scenario. So we were laying in bed one night, and he was worried about the stock market. And I just wasn't going to worry about the stock market. And he says, come on, hon. I need someone to worry with me. <laughs> so we're all doing this. So uh, We need no someone to worry with us. <laughs> well, there is, there's comfort in numbers. <laughs> there's comfort in numbers. But we're not supposed to have numbers. So, And I want to I wanna reiterate something you said, Mike. We are doing the isolation uh, under the recommendation of, of the people that know what's going on. We're not trying to make fun of that at all, but we are recognizing that we're adding to an already underlying problem that's been endemic in our society. Absolutely. Uh, so in our next session together then, you're going to talk, talk a little bit about how we can deal with some of these things? Yeah, talk about some of the conditions and talk about some of the reactions that we, we have related to social isolation and dealing with the pandemic. Then we'll talk about some specific strategies that people can put in place in order to cope better. Good. Thank you very much, Mike. You're welcome.